Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're having a lot of fun doing these individual expectations shows. And so we're going to do two players uh, here tonight. Uh, and uh, the two players are James Prochet and Travis Jones, who obviously play the same position. Obviously, I'm kidding. <laughs> they, they, they are very disparate positions, like, you know, wide receiver and a defensive lineman. But the idea here is we're going to let our, our guest analyst, who is Jim Zipcode. How you doing, Jim? Hi, Ken. Uh, join us, and and he is one of many who has had a chance to opine on the wide receiver group and the uh, the defensive line in terms of how these groups may fit together. And this is a, a better way, I think, to do it than just having the position group shows go to one analyst, which we will do in the end, and and we'll uh, uh, we'll pick somebody for those who, who who's good. But it's it's also very nice to find out uh, what people think about some individual players that they like, and what opportunities there are for growth both in their own personal play and also uh, how they might be used. And so we'll talk about those things and then finish up with a, what's a good and a great season from each of our perspectives. So I first think, of all, 
if, if we're going to talk about James Prochet, I really don't think he does a good job of holding up at the point of attack when he's playing the nose. So that, that's definitely an area <laughs> yeah, there you go. he could improve. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Jim, always great to have you on. Uh, first of all, let's talk about where people can find you on Twitter. Oh, uh, so I'm at zip underscore Jim on Twitter. Uh, and I love to, there's so many great um, Ravens fans on Twitter. It's, it's, it's really a great environment. And then I'm also on the, uh, the RSR forums. I had checked out uh, in a little bit of grief over the way the season ended, but I've come back, I guess, in the last couple of weeks. All right. Fair enough. And you've already been on a couple of shows. I appreciate you, you, you we being part of the recovery process, Jim, because I really respect <laughs> your opinion. It was fun to talk football with you. Oh, it's always great to be here. Well, let's let's talk first about James Prochet here as as we go through this. Uh, uh, Prochet had a very fine year in limited targets this last year. He caught 16 out of 20 balls, over 10 yards a target. Uh, those are top numbers, and especially considering the fact that you know Tyler Huntley was in there at the end of the year, and all yards per targets were greatly reduced during the Huntley administration. Uh, you know, you had uh, you had a, a a guy with a a, a pretty darn good season uh, who. You know, by the Ravens' non-draft and non-move to date, I think we'd have to project a bigger role for. I agree completely. Uh, and so, I think if if we look about uh, if we look at what he has done in the past, I think you're you're talking about a player who mostly operates out of the slot and is really kind of a chain-moving sort of guy. But in Greg Roman's offense, they sometimes use the slot to go deep and have the outside mm-hmm. guys cut in. So so. Uh, Prochet's first reception on the year, in fact, went for 29 yards. So, so they're not above kind of using him in a deceptive role where they sort of send him deep uh, because of a, because of a matchup or or a, or a deceptive play design. But I think most of the time he's uh, I sort of think of him as a smaller Dennis Pitta, like a very reliable, smart root runner who can who can make the key catch for you. Yeah, I I, I want to see that. And there's there's one specific thing in, in terms of being a route runner. I want to see one specific thing out of him. I want to see him be able to get separation at the top of the route, mm. show some wiggle, show some ability to make that opposing defender make the wrong first step as he makes his move and and develop separation that way. Prochet is not a speed guy. No, you know, he, he's, he's not a guy who's going to get separation with speed. So he has to have something at the top of the route that throws off that uh, that coverage. You can only run so many slants. Of course, he could be good at those. Uh, he has, certainly has the hands for it. And, and you know, uh, he's a guy who, who you know, presents a, a, a decent target, bigger. He really plays as a bigger target, I think, than his size is uh, out of the slot. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's one of those guys. He's, he's like a vacuum cleaner, right? He, he just hoovers up everything that comes near him. Uh, and I think... He's one of those guys. He was a contested cast catch guy in college, mm-hmm. and I think that there's often a uh, uh, people go both ways on the con- contested catch things for a wide receiver prospect. On the one hand, that's great to see, you know, hand strength, tracking, all of that stuff, toughness at the catch point. On the other hand, if he's making a lot of contested catches, it's because he's not getting separation. So maybe he's too slow to play in the NFL. Uh, and I have to say that was my original take on Prochet uh, coming out of college, that he he wasn't going to be athletic enough for the position. But I think his his precision has really kind of let him play. Yeah, I I, I hope there's more of that because we, we really have not seen a ton of Prochet getting to the top of the route and using that wiggle yet. I mean, he's run a lot of slants in this offense. Uh, he runs some other things out of the slot, some some. Uh, shorter out and crossing that that the Ravens don't really use all that much of it, but a lot of it 
Prochet is some of it. Some, sometimes he's on the offside as a receiver. And I think he has shown some positive things in being able to develop a connection with Jackson, which would make him a guy that Jackson looks for an extended play. Absolutely critical in this offense, by the right, way. Right, right. Yeah, because uh, Lamar makes a lot of throws after four and five seconds where he's been flushed out of the pocket or he's keeping a play alive. Mm-hmm. And Prochet has really, to me, shown the kind of intelligence on the field you know, the natural kind of reading the defense ability to find the soft spot to know when his quarterback's in trouble. Uh, I can't be on a podcast without bringing up my boy, Miles Boykin. So mm-hmm. that's an interesting contrast, right? Where, where Boykin wasn't always, you know, reading the field the way the quarterback was. I think Mark Andrews shows the ability to read the field the way Lamar like does. Nobody. Like nobody, right? He's mm-hmm. they're telepathic. And Prochet shows flashes of that same kind of uh, uh, spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because... In his first year, I think it might have been all three, but it was at least two of the Boykin touchdowns as a rookie were these kind of extended plays. So mm-hmm. One against Miami in the back of the end zone yep. where I think Lamar saw back back and an opportunity to throw and, and, and Boykin found the football. And then the one, again, I think it was against the Jets where he made space on the right side of the end zone. Yep. I'm trying to remember what his third touchdown was in that rookie year. But it, it seemed to me that like maybe all three of them were that – I, I love Miles Boykin. I'm really sad that that, that he's not with the team. I, I, I uh, you know, I understand why they wouldn't have wanted to pay the 2.5 more million to right. keep him around, but uh, but you know, it's it's a it's still sad to to part ways with him and and a guy who who could keep his feet blocking like nobody in the run game. It was really it made a significant contribution to the Ravens in that manner. It's uh, interesting because the so he's on the Steelers roster, right? And they drafted two quarterbacks. Uh, it's easy to imagine that Boykin will find himself on the street again at some point this fall or this 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 summer. Think what what do you think of the the chances that the Ravens would go back to Boykin and look to get him again? Um, ordinarily, I would say low, uh, but I would have to say those those percentages jumped up a little bit when they traded away Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. <laughs> I really don't want to spend too much of your podcast talking about Miles Boykin, but from the way Lamar refused to look for him in 2020, even in situations where he was wide open or where he, when he was the hot guy in the face of a blitz, it's like Boykin tried to steal Lamar's girl or something. Okay. I, the, the, <laughs> the relationship is, does not seem to be there. And so that's not worth taking, you know, a roster spot uh, in, in a competitive environment where you're trying to look at a lot of undrafted free agents in camp or whether it's, you know, it's in season, I would say maybe an injury to a wide receiver and a key special teams performer and Boykins on the street and it's October. Yeah, maybe. And he's a vet men guy at that point. I mean, he's not right. going to command any more than that. So that's a, that is a positive thing. In fact, I guess he's not even technically a vet men guy. He'd be a fourth year guy. So I'm not, I, 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 I may be wrong about the rules. I think there's a lower salary, even you pay him, but there's no vet min uh, bonus that you can uh, ignore in terms of cap purposes. So you, you wouldn't have that ability, you know, cherry to put on top of a, of an offer. Right. Show. Right. Let's go back to Prochet though. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, how can we not talk about Miles Boykin? That's okay. <laughs> we, love, we love tangents. Um, uh, you know, one of the things for Prochet that I think is very important this year, and, and there are other options. I mean, Tylen Wallace could, could all of a sudden become a, a key receiver for the Ravens. They could go to a excessive amount of 13 personnel if that's so what they choose to do, because they certainly have the the horses for that this year in a four to make three tight end situation. I'm not even counting Ricard in there. 
mm-hmm. you know, with 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 Boyle and and the uh, and the, as one of those four tight ends with with Likely and Kolar and, and Andrews, uh, they have a lot of thirteen options, and and that will drive opposing DCs nuts. So it, it could be that 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 becomes one of their big packages. But assuming they they're they're going with still a fairly typical number of wide receivers on the field, Prochet's got to get a fair number of snaps this year. If if he doesn't, he'll have his his initial period will effectively his clock will be almost expired. And his, uh, his, he'll be entering his fourth year with not much of a track record. And the he'll be, frankly, just on the bubble as soon as camp starts. I have to think that the Ravens' trade of Marquise Brown must suggest that they see something in somebody among Tylen Wallace, Devin DuVernay, James Prochet. And the guys mm-hmm. are different enough that uh, they probably see a little bit of something in each of them. Um, you know, that you're certainly not going to use Tylen Wallace the same way you would James Crochet. Right. So, uh, so, so that's, that's, that's reassuring. And when you look at all of the, uh, um, the Instagram highlights and stuff like that, that come out where Lamar's running around with his guys on the field and people are working like Crochet is there. Uh, mm-hmm. so I think there, um, we can, uh, presume a certain amount of trust factor, uh, between the quarterback and him. Uh, I think you're right. I think he's going to see a lot of snaps probably in um, a, as a third wide receiver. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that uh, the guys who wear the helmet when they practice with Lamar, I really like that. Yeah, you know, there's there's more going on there. They're trying to simulate things. Those are actually receiving skills. They're trying to hone yep. by by wearing the gear. They're going to have to. You always hear that people are not as fast. It's not that as much as as, a, as being a vision thing. Mm-hmm. I see you making the motion at me. I so I, I don't want to steal your thunder on this, but they but you know the ability to go over either shoulder with your helmet on, pick up and track the football Fine well. Football yeah. exactly. Yeah, because I would imagine the helmet's got to restrict your peripheral vision, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. there's also uh, this is kind of a stupid thing to say, but even the physical mechanics of turning your head to look for something when there's the weight of a helmet on it or the, the friggin chin bar is going to bump against your shoulder pad. Like there's different physical mechanics and turning mm-hmm. your head to look for the football. And so exactly what you say, if they're wearing it while practicing, while just running routes and practicing with the quarterback, mm-hmm. that just speaks a certain seriousness to me. That's technique work there. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, it, it takes the, 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 the entire practice goes from uh, throwing the football around in the backyard kind of manner, which is really more testing Lamar's arm strength and accuracy. And you can still get that out of it. But, but if you, if you're really testing the receiving skills, then you're getting both sides of the coin there. And I, I, I don't know, we, we, we don't really see from a lot of these things, who's there with them. Mm-hmm. But you, we presume that Lamar's quarterback guru may well be there with him. Or We've seen him in some of the Instagram stuff. We've seen him standing off to the side. Adam okay. Dido. Yep. That's great to hear. And and I would really hope that there's a wide receiver guru with these guys. And it wouldn't be anybody from the Ravens because they're not allowed to, but, right. but it could be somebody else who's a, you know, a, a broadly known guy. Lamar has been such a North star for other Ravens players to look at and say, hey, right. look, this guy went from a, a guy who was just basically a running quarterback in 2018 to a guy who won the MVP a year later, uh, you know, with 36 and six and, you know, the 113 passer rating and whatnot, because he, you know, he took on positional coaching. I wish people on both sides of the football would be looking at that and really taking advantage of it. <laughs> I always wonder, I have wondered if when Harbaugh hired T Martin and Keith Williams, if mm-hmm. one of the things he was doing was taking those guys away from other receivers around oh, could the be. league. 
could be. And they, they may also have the connections, even though, you know, they're not allowed to work with these guys directly. They, they probably know four guys who mm-hmm. teach receiving schools and one they really love and say, hey, you know, go see this guy during the offseason because he's going to tell you what you need. He's very cheap. Uh, we can't pay for it. You'll have to pay for it. But, you know, $25,000 invested in yourself uh, over the course of the summer is going to really pay dividends for you. Crochet looks to me like he's changed his body a tiny bit from college. He looks a little stringier, more muscularly hmm. uh, defined. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he could get a smidge faster, obviously not taking you know 0.2 off his 40 time or anything like that, right. but just a smidge quicker in and out of his breaks. Uh, and I think we have seen that from receivers who have worked like Devontae Adams, for example, you know, guys who have worked with with Keith Williams or, or T. Martin, we've seen them get a little more sudden, uh, which may be as much technique as physical change, but you know that kind of improvement, which really translates to separation. Yeah, I I think you know when when it comes back to how he's going to get separation, I have to go back to the trickeration or the trickery or whatever we're going to call it of of how he can make that that step at the top of the route that makes the other guy do something silly we saw you know i go back to the colts game in week five and anthony averett was made look bad by some pretty average colts receivers and you know what they were doing was pretty simple they got to the they got to the top of the route opposite raver who was averett who was in off coverage and they would make one move averett would bite on it and they'd be going the other way so they they really understood how to counter Crochet's got to know. He, I, I'm sure he knows some of this right now. By the way, I'm not saying that he, More he than does you none of this. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not. Sure, I'm certainly not saying that he, he knows none of this. But right. as a as a less speedy receiver, he knows it's got to be his bread and butter. Right. And and it, it, however good he is at it right now, he, he he probably needs to get better at the NFL level. Agreed. But he seems to have the appetite for that kind of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on and talk but about a good. Do you want to talk about uh, yeah, good to great? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. So, so in terms of a, of a good season, do you want me to, to go first, or you want to go first on this? Why don't you go ahead? Okay, sure. So, to me, a good season would be increasing his targets with only a slight decrease in rate stats. I don't think he can possibly catch eighty percent of the balls if he's going to catch more targets, uh, uh, and he's not going to go for ten point yards per target, even if he has you know double the number, especially perhaps if he has double the number of targets right. uh, in particular. Um, but I would still say it could be a good year if he played only 20 to 40% of the snaps. If he were under 20%, then I'd say the Ravens haven't really got what they thought they would hope to get in the way you talked about it, that they saw something in these three guys, a little right. bit in each, expected a bigger role. And if Prochet didn't get to, at least in that number, I would think that would not be a good result for the Ravens. Are you thinking about like the 40 target range maybe for him? To- uh, well, 40 would be doubling it. Um, that's, that's, uh, not unreasonable. Uh, and, and that would probably be good if he got that, if he got 38 targets and, and, you know, yeah. he's, he's, and he's close in the same rate things and he's playing a decent amount of snaps. I, I, I think, I think that'd be fine. One thing about the Ravens offense, I always want to be careful is to stay qualitative because there aren't enough targets to go around for the receivers. Right. right. So, you know, that's just the nature of it. And if the Ravens are really playing well on offense and defense, they will do two things. They will run the ball very effectively, play four down football and beat the opponents silly in the run game. And then on defense, they will be 
absolutely free to play whatever package they they want and dare the other team to run when they have a two touchdown lead in the second half. And that is going to be the real fun of the season, by the way. Mark my words right now. The Ravens, when they're ahead by 14 in the second half, are going to be a very fun team to watch in terms of how they destroy opponents defensively. One of my favorite uh, episodes of Ravens football was that home game in 2019 against the Patriots. I think it was a Monday night game. Mm-hmm. And the the shots of Tom Brady on the sideline, just watching the clock tick while the Ravens offense <laughs> just kept the ball. And you just see the look of frustration just mounting on his face as he continues not to get the opportunity to get on the field. Yeah, I, I don't want to one-up you or anything, but from earlier in that game, my, one of my favorite sideline shots is Belichick talking to his defense. And the head coach, one of the things is you don't turn your back on the field. Not you usually, don't, yeah. You don't go over and, and, and talk, but, but he dressed down his defense after those first two touchdown drives. He's basically saying, you know, you guys need to pick it up and get us back in this game. And, uh, of course, they didn't. <laughs> so uh, I, I, how about a great year i'll i'll, I'll well, suggest so, so, uh, just year. for a good year for 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 Prochet, i think that it's it's a role kind of thing if he's the number one number three receiver right he, he's okay. the number one slot guy uh who's not a tight end <laughs> i'm sure then uh you know that then that's a fairly high usage and that's a critical role that's like a third down role and so i would expect to see kind of qualitatively somebody who's in sort of a Dennis Pitter role as a non-speedster, chain-moving, reliable target. He probably gets to 40% of snaps if he has that role as you describe it there. If it's not, you know, Wallace and Yvette and 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 uh, um, uh, Duvernay and uh, Bateman taking all the snaps, then, right. you know, if he's the number one third receiver, he's, he's almost certainly going to get to 40% of snaps. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's move on. I've got one more here. Is well, a great a, a great season. Yeah, great, go ahead. Yeah, is is that his catch rate remains high, and and I'm defining high as as over seventy plus, but I don't want to really ha- yeah. hone it down too much. Uh, with greatly increased targets and snaps, and that leads to the Ravens avoiding signing or trading for a veteran free agent wide receiver because they quickly realize their in house options are good. Now he's just one of them. Right. But that would be really terrific if if he could get the Ravens to that point. Yeah. So for me, the great, like the 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 highest imaginable upside to me for for Prochet is if he turns into the the black Steve Largent and he's an outside <laughs> receiver, you know, doing the things that, you know, we always said way back in the 80s that, you know, Largent is slow. How the heck does he get open against these 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 defensive backs, he's doing it with precise route running and, and shiftiness and trickeration in his routes. Yeah. Uh, so he becomes the number two receiver, and we're looking at, I don't know, 800, 900, you know, 800 yards or something like that. Well, that would be that would definitely be a great. They'd be they'd be doing backflips if they got that because yeah. There's again with Bateman and and Andrews and Kolar, and you can start to stack the names. There right. just aren't a lot of yards to go around to, to agree to fuel that. But that would be great. And that would know, be my fantasy stretch target for him, like the the outer limit of what I could imagine for him. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's. Are we ready to move on to Travis Jones here sure. at this point? Yeah. Yeah. All right, outstanding. So Travis Jones, I think most people know him, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about you know what the Ravens have to start with. Uh, very modest quality of, of college film, uh, really made not apparent who this guy was, I think. Uh, he, I think a lot of 
people had him as being drafted higher because he'd been the focus of a very bad UConn defense, a guy who was on the field for a lot of snaps, uh, a guy who had shown some pass rush moxie. There was some question of whether or not he'd done that against some weaker opponents, which is really a lot of the question about his tape. You know, was he good? Ideal nose tackle size, uh, got the great length over 34 inches, um, weighs 320 pounds. Because he's had some pass rush success already, and we may be mapping things that were done against some lesser opponents, but he has penetrating three-tech versatility as well, which is really nice. you got a lot of guys play only nose, especially if they're his size. A guy who can play nose and a three and really has no problem going up against a guard using his athleticism to get by. Uh, They're much rarer. And I think the Ravens did get real value drafting him in the third round. I was ecstatic about the pick when it happened. Uh, I had a little time to think about it since, and there is a Raven that I think is a pretty good comp for him that we didn't end up being all that happy with. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. In, in terms of, of Travis Jones, first of all, how did you feel about the draft pick itself? Uh, so I'm not as into the, the college evaluation process as, as you guys were. And by the way, I loved your YouTube videos on day one and day two of the draft. Those were, those were great. I actually had those on the TV with ESPN muted and was listening to you guys talk. Oh, thanks. Flashed up. So, um, I, but, uh, so the, the two things that I noticed right away about the pick were number one, a lot of people had, expressed that they would be happy to get Travis Jones at the pick that instead we took Ojabo. Mm -hmm. So getting him around later is clearly a coup. Mm -hmm. Number two, he seemed, you know, looking at him really in depth for the first time after the draft, he seemed like the poor man's Jordan Davis. You know, he's just maybe, uh, he's, he's what, 14 hundredths of a second slower in the 40 <laughs> than Jordan Davis was. And Jordan Davis wowed the, wowed the world with that 40 time, right? Mm-hmm. So so it's like you're getting the third round version or the second and a half round version of the first round Jordan Davis uh, at a position that the Ravens have historically, you know, he's, he's you hope that he grows up to become Holoti Nata, right? That's, that's the guy that we know how to use, we've seen in this defense. That that would I mean Jordan Davis could hope to be Haloti Nada. Haloti Nada was the third best player in that 2006 draft. Yeah, uh, it, it's just it, it, actually third best or second best. It might have been the second best player to come out of that two, 2006 draft. I I just I, I going through a, a absolutely fantastic looking podcast that is to come. That's going to evaluate Ravens drafts on a new basis, but if essentially re-ranks the players mm-hmm. uh, as they as they should have been drafted based on their career values. And it looks very good for the Ravens in terms of their uh, their history of drafting players. I don't want to give away too much, but that's coming in a couple of weeks, and I hope you guys will keep a keep a lookout for that one. The I I love the pick, but you know, the the one guy that I thought of after the fact, who boy, there's a lot of similarity here. Unfortunately, isn't Jordan Davis? Um, it's Carl Davis. And, oh, you know, yeah. you know, a, a, a similar guy who a lot of people thought could have gone at the end of the first round. You know, in in uh, when he went, I, I think he's been in the league now six years. So I guess he was in the two it was 2021. He would have been the 2016 draft. Ravens got him in the third round. Davis came to camp and was pissed about it. You know, he 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 basically said, "There's there's no reason on God's earth why you know I should have been drafted in the third round. I'm a first round draft pick." And he, he played okay for two years for the Ravens, and then was cut in year three, which is yeah. a little bit surprising. But they had did have some extra depth on the defensive line entering that 2018 season. 
they didn't have room for him on the roster and they and they ended up having to cut him as one of the last last guys to go but if you look at who this guy was in college same kind of size weight exactly the same length was similar a one three tech guy came out of college with a rep as being a guy who had a little bit of pass rush mojo just like um uh travis jones does uh, didn't have quite the same three cones. So not the same, same kind of slipperiness at the line of scrimmage and definitely not the same kind of speed, although he's not too far behind. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I look at, you know, you, you want to believe the player you've just drafted is at the top edge of what you have. Right. And I think Ravens fans need to be careful with the title of Linderbaum is actually very similar in terms of Garrett Bradbury. In fact, I think if you put their two scouting reports next to each other, a lot of people would mess up who was who without taking the names out. Just look at the scouting reports. Uh, you know, very similar in terms of what the problems are and everything. Garrett Bradbury, of course, didn't work out. So, you know, the same thing happens with with Carl Davis and Travis Jones. It's not a. It's it's by no means is he a hundred percent chance to work out guy. I'm still excited by the value. Oh, I think one of the things that's maybe undersold about about Travis Jones is that he played every damn snap for that oh, defense. Yeah. Which was like 70 snaps a game. And this is uh, not a position that does that typically. So this is a Mm -hmm. big dude who's making a lot of contact on every play and not getting rotated at all. And Joe Hortiz talked about this on draft weekend or maybe just after that, that if they, they envision that if they take Travis Jones down to kind of a normal rotation amount of snaps, rotational amount of snaps that he has, you know, more energy per snap, and can be more disruptive sure. and doesn't doesn't really have to, to pace himself. Yeah, I, I think of like a senior guard on a basketball team who just cannot come off the court and he's not going to challenge every fast break or whatever. You know, he's, he's going to pull back a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know, Travis Jones in the third quarter, he's going to have to pick his spots because he's still got a quarter and a half of every snap to play when he's at UConn. Here, he's going to be rotated in and out with, you know, Calais Campbell, with Matabuike. You know, it, it, he's, he's going to have more opportunities to go full out. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And that was my biggest thing about Travis Jones prior to the draft. I know Hortiz picked up on it too, but uh, that, that was my comment right away is that at 53 snaps per game, he's playing about 70% of the snaps in, in college, which is ridiculously high. You can't expect a lineman to, to stay fresh. And uh, by the way, if you want to look back in Ravens history, Haloti Nada, I believe four times played 70% of snaps and Kelly Gregg did it a couple of times. Like nobody has done it in, in recent years. So uh, Calais Campbell was a guy who before he came to the Ravens, had played between 77 and 80% of snaps wow. for five consecutive years. But he didn't with the Ravens. The Ravens are, are, are a very strict rotational team. They believe in keeping people fresh. And so Horty's comments is, are, are well-placed. It's certainly very historic Ravens that that would be the case. I think, uh, you know, regardless of what you're using him for, run defense or pass defense, he's got to be more effective at, at doing so in, in fewer snaps. I think that's one of the givens. It's number one in terms of my improvements is that his best chance is to, to uh, you know, maintain a high level of effectiveness is to, is to do it in fewer snaps and, and, and stay fresher doing it. Yeah. And so if he's got a little more burst, you know, he showed flashes of pocket pushing and penetration mm-hmm. and pass rush ability. If he's got a little more juice on a per snap, then uh, then maybe we'll see more of that in the NFL than we did in college, which would be counterintuitive. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think that that um, uh, you know the opportunity is there. The, also, the positional opportunity is there. I want to get into that a little bit too. Um, 
he'll he'll play a fair amount of nose tackle in this league because he'll rotate with Pierce some there. Uh, I think one of the nice things about getting him on the field and having him active is that there won't be too many games where the Ravens will want to have just Pierce active as their only nose tackle. I think mm-hmm. they'll want two guys. So that that is a that is a problem with a player like him is that you're you're not obviously active every game as a rookie, and that's one of the reasons why the rookies tend to get fewer defensive line snaps for the Ravens than than you would have. They really grow into that. Brandon Williams as a rookie didn't have right. a whole lot of snaps, uh, even. So you know even the, your best players uh, really aren't that. But um, what I wanted to talk about his play at nose tackle is I think he has the slipperiness and the juice to continue to command doubles. Mm-hmm. Now, what do, let me let me describe a little bit schematically what I mean by that. It is normal for the one tech to be blocked by both the guard and the center to start with on a pass play, uh, most typically also on a run play, but on a pass play is, is where this is going to be more effective. The one uh, tech has lined up in the gap between the guard and center. That we correct, about? correct. Okay. Yes, I, I always take that for granted, but the, I appreciate you appreciate you bringing that back. So he's up in the guard, but up up in that spot between the guard and center. Now, if the center is quick, he gets out there with good reach, and and it gets maybe a good push from that guard. The guard will leave him set up on the center and immediately look for work. It can go the other direction also, where the guard takes him. And the center is free to look for work, pick up a blitz, whatever it might be. But I think it's more common if you're only rushing four, that that guard is then able to come over and make a hellacious bailout block for the tackle. And, you know, I praised people like Ben Cleveland last year, even though his game wasn't perfect by any stretch. He processes very well from center out to be able to look for work that way. So he says, OK, you've got this guy. I've, I've, I've done my necessary jam on this guy's rib. I, I can feel you've got him. And now he's immediately looking. Is it blitz? Okay, I'll, I'll help the left tackle. And and with Villanueva last year, uh, you know that that was when he was able to do it. It helped a lot because he was giving up, you know, walk back pressure on an awful lot of plays where where that could really help. I, that's one of the things Travis Jones needs to prevent from occurring. Mm-hmm. He needs to be too slippery for that nose ta- for that for that center to be able to say, yeah, I got him. He needs to be between those guys using that big first step that he has, a lot of explosiveness. To try and try and get each of them on half a block, so neither of them think, "Yeah, neither I can give that up." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's a situation where uh, it's characteristic of this position, right? Where he's occupying a lot of blockers and gets mm-hmm. no stats for it, no, no stats, pressures, exactly. no hits, <laughs> no sacks. Uh, but the guys around him are cleaning up, and that would be. Uh, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm skipping into good to great here, but that would be just you know perfect. Well, we, it's, it's an area that we want to see out of him this year, and it's okay to talk about those in advance. <laughs> I, I'm going to add a couple more here, uh, and if you've got any, please jump in. But I, I want him to increase his strength at the NFL level. And it's not like his strength numbers are necessarily bad, but he didn't bench. Yeah, that's and, a good, and, that, that and catches your eye, doesn't But you see the strength on the field. You see him pushing two uh-huh. linemen on running plays, so it's got to be there. Uh, you, you you would hope it is, but you know, guys like that always get him into an NFL weight room, get him – Real grown man strength is something that I always want to see in a, in a young lineman. I think it's it's important no matter how uh, you know amazing he is. I don't think he's a Brandon Williams type strength guy coming right into the NFL where he can walk on his hands and mm-hmm. he's kind of weight. Uh, but but I think he, he he you know is intriguing and 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 certainly has the frame for uh, for outstanding strength going forward. He does not go backwards on running plays, at least not a lot in college <laughs> on tape, and that's that's nice. 
Yeah, that, that, that's very important. That's obviously very central to the job. By the way, the same thing applies on the, on the being the one tech uh, on, on a run play, but your goal is somewhat different. You, you, you basically, he has to impact the center in such a way uh, or impact the guard in such a way that the other guy cannot drop off that block and, 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 and or can't, doesn't get the go code to go to level two and make right. a second block that, that, that really can, can cause damage and, and, and create big holes. Uh, I got one other for him. Well, two, two others, I guess, for him. One is that, that I think he provides an, an awesome potential to pair with Pierce on early downs. And there'd be a couple of gains from that. The first is that that you get a one and a three tech who are outstanding run defenders. And even if they try the double-double method that the Ravens often use on the inside, right. meaning they, they, they um, motion in a tight end to help on a defensive tackle and also double the nose tackle, um, it, it really uh, provides a opportunity for the Ravens to get a stonewall run defense, again, going with those two on early downs. There is an additional dividend that would pay in that I think that would provide, you know, a, a increased rotational value for Campbell, who could reduce his overall snap count and play on higher leverage snaps as that three or even the nose tackle with some exotic blitz or, or uh, rush type packages. Right. And I expect we'll see a fair amount of that. So, you know, if, if the Ravens are in this position where they can go in the second half and, and play whatever defense they want at will, because they've got a 14 point lead and, and they basically say, I dare you to run the football. Um, you know, they can put Campbell in four outside linebackers, or they can go to a quarter on every down if mm -hmm. they want to, and just say, let's see if you can beat this. And, and, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's interesting. I think one of our, uh, preoccupations going into this draft was for the or for the to this offseason was for the Ravens to find some way to improve their outside pass rush and we don't have David Ojabo yet right where there's some hope that he'll join the team maybe after October or something like that but I think uh Travis Jones improves the out uh, potentially improves the outside pass rush by doing you know commanding the double teams the way you're talking about keeping a keeping a guard from switching out to help on a tackle that uh, mm -hmm. the and also just the rotational snap benefit for Calais Campbell being fresher, you know, for Matubike, you know, playing higher, uh, you know, uh, third down snaps and not getting beaten down in the running game. So, so mm -hmm. I think that this is an underrated addition to the pass rush in a non-statistical kind of role. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I, I that's a, that's a very good way to put it. I'm ready to talk about what's a good and what's a great. Are you? Do you have any other comments about Travis? I got a couple Michael? things. I, so while when you uh, when you mentioned Carl Davis, I went to look up some of Davis's uh, combine numbers. Mm -hmm. And Davis ran five point oh seven in the forty. Travis Jones ran four point nine two. So so Jones was notably faster. That's what a tenth of a second. Or yeah, well, Carl Davis was about a 57th percentile guy, and I think uh, it works out to be an 80-something percentile guy for Travis Jones. So you get right. an explosive, quick guy with Jones. Yeah, so I think that that's one reason to think that the the downside comp to Carl Davis probably or has a good chance of not coming true. Uh, the other thing that I thought of that would be a hidden benefit of having Travis Jones in training camp is that all of us are interested 
in how our undersized center is going to perform against there you go. defensive <laughs> linemen. And so Tyler Lindebaum gets to practice first team snaps. You know, he gets to take them against Pierce. He gets to take them against Travis Jones. He gets to get Calais Campbell rotate on him in on passing downs, the quickness of that of week A. Like if if we're worried about how Linderbaum is going to play on week one, he's going to get a lot of opportunities to work, you know, find out what he needs to work on as training camp progresses. Yeah, you're talking in particular in the case of Jones and Campbell, you're talking about very long players. And, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what Linderbaum's issue may be, is is guys coming, particularly from three tech. Let's see. Let's see on our own practice field what? how how you know Campbell crossing the face of a guard and hitting Linderbaum, which by the way, in, in terms of looking at film on a recent show with with uh, of uh, Coach Evans, mm. uh, you know what's one of the things we we noted? Sip to Sally, right? Yes, exactly. It's sip to tally. His stuff is great. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun. I'd highly recommend this particular episode anyway. And you know, it it was a good. Uh, conversation about that. But one of the things we noticed, uh, Cole Jackson was on the show too, by the way, I just want to point that out. Mm. But that was that uh, the three tech crossing the guard's face was giving him more length issues than anybody who lined up on a one, that the ones were having more trouble uh, getting stretched out. Now we're watching a select group of plays and he won some, he lost some and and coach was trying to pick plays for us where he had some wins and losses in this group. So I'm not saying that we're getting the, you know, the the total set there, but it is one thing I really want to keep an eye on is uh, you know, how's he reacting to a longer player traveling further who's more able to dictate that first contact against him because of length and and how he can deal with that. The Ravens are going to get an awesome opportunity to see what he can do and to have him try and refine his game against real NFL talent uh, in camp. Right. So I think that we have a great opportunity for Tyler Lindebaum not to be surprised yeah. when week one of the regular season rolls around and he's seeing live fire. So I, I, that's uh, that's to me that's a hidden benefit of the Travis Jones selection, and actually something I'm I'm almost more excited about than his actual play on on Sundays. Mm-hmm. All right, I, anything more on on Travis before we go to good and great? Or Jim, you nope. said you had a couple of things. It. Okay, that's it. All right, so I got here's my good, and then you adjust it in whatever way you see fit. I'll say be a regular game day activation, which is not a given, but but he should get it as long as uh, he and Pierce are the only two nose tackles available. And a frequent pairing with Pierce when the Ravens run base and he and he can also replace Pierce as appropriate. But I'm not going to put a lot of pass rush responsibilities in the good level. He's basically if he's a if he's a frequent pairing with Pierce, I'll assume that that means he's a useful pairing with Pierce in terms of their ability to stop the run. But I'm not making any any specific uh, requirements in terms of his pass rush in the good category. I agree completely on the game day active, and I wonder if if um, Travis Jones is not going to prove to be a more versatile player than Michael Pierce, and if one of them is going to be inactive, maybe starting from the middle of the season or late in the season, I wonder mm-hmm. if it's necessarily going to be Jones who would be inactive. That's a that's a great point. Um, you know, they're paying Pierce a lot of money, obviously, but if if they decide that uh, Jones is a better football player, which hey, that happens all the time. You know, you 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 if. I, I have no problem personally if Daniel Falele beats out Morgan Moses, even if we're paying Morgan Moses a bunch of money. Do you? Right. Some no, because it's, it's, it's good news because it's <laughs> right. It, it means that Falele has, has really shown something. Yeah. 
Hopefully it means that. Yes, hopefully in, indeed. But but you're, you you could well be right. And and obviously there's always the chance of an injury where he's going to have to step up into a bigger role. That wouldn't be good for the Ravens, but it but uh, you know it might be necessary if that's what he ends up having to do. Yeah. So my good for for uh, Jones would be the the regular game day active, preferably every game, and a sack or two. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll go one with my great here and I'll say he commands additional snaps. I, I don't want to use an exact number, but there haven't been a lot of defensive tackles or nose tackles who've reached the 40% level as a rookie. It's actually been quite rare. I think Haloti Nada was even only around 43%, 42, 43% as a rookie in 06. And, and that, you know, that's and he was one amazing. of the great ones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, but more importantly than that, I, he needs to he needs to dem- command those snaps by his level of play and not by the necessity of injury. Right. So you know it won't be a great year if he gets if Michael Pierce gets hurt and he's forced into forty three percent of the snaps. Like remember Ellis was playing a high percentage of the snaps at nose after we had injuries. That's not that's not what we're looking not for. Not what here, we're looking obviously. for. Yeah. Uh, and and then I would also tack on that he provides some value to the pass rush. I won't mm-hmm. define it in terms of number of snaps. I'm looking for him to push the pocket effectively, to be disruptive, to get his hands up, to cause some tip balls that may be intercepted. Yep. Uh, you know, to 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 do all, a, a little bit of everything. Maybe fall on an occasional fumble if we have some strip sacks. Uh, there's a lot of things he can do without actually being the guy who takes the quarterback down. Agreed. Yeah. And so for me, the, the great for him, you know, we, we did a little more quantitative for uh, Prochet. I think uh, for an interior defensive lineman, uh, I would tend more towards the qualitative. You, I want to notice him. You know, I want on pass plays, I want to see a guard, you know, being blown up and pushed back into the quarterback's face. I want to see, uh, you know, a, a quarterback want to try to climb the pocket to get away from Odafe Owe, and he can't because the, the pocket's being pushed into his face. So I want to notice him. I'm sorry, to, a, a great would be if I'm consistently noticing him and kind of giggling with glee because somebody's on his ass, you know, like the guard's on his butt, a center's on his butt, the quarterback's on his butt. I, I um, love it. I love yeah. that description. That's just that's outstanding, and that that's uh, just the kind of qualitative description I like in these things because it's 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 really just too hard to place exact numbers on things at this point. When you know, particularly for the for the Ravens' offense, you can be very effective in very mm-hmm. limited opportunities if if you're a receiver. But also in, in terms of the defense, we don't know who's going to be getting all the glory on this defense. This could be a rush a few, generate a lot of turnovers. Offense. That's what this. You know, they could be schooled to do. This could be a go crazy like Rex Ryan or Wink did in terms of rushing people from everywhere, including defensive back six, which would be fun also and probably right. very effective. Uh, but but we I don't think we know yet with particularly with with the style that McDonald will bring exactly what this defense is going to look like. Although the addition of Kyle Hamilton is very suggestive. You know, I can see him in a Troy Polumala role occasionally creeping up to the line of scrimmage on passing mm-hmm. downs and really causing problems for the for the protection. Yeah, but it's it, it's even more difficult to say then is what you're really saying, because because he's a movable chess piece within mm-hmm. this thing. They don't need him to play on the back end. Like I've been saying in a lot of shows, that's the good, good the good kind of safety versatility is you got right. two free safeties as opposed to you have four four guys who are strong safeties. And right. you can do the best you can with those. Right, right. You know? All right. Jim, outstanding always to talk football with you. I love doing this, even if it's in the middle of the night. We're doing this at almost <laughs> 1 a.m. on uh, 
on May 28th, so we can kind of timestamp this episode if anything big happens. There are additional acquisitions that make these uh, uh, predictions not particularly useful anymore. Well, then we'll just have to talk about them again. Well, we, we will. So if we have an acquisition, I'll, I'll be sure to uh, give you a call, Jim. And I hope we can get together for other projects this summer. But first of all, tell people one more time where they can reach you. Well, so I'm on I'm on Twitter. You can search for Jim Zip Code or the actual <laughs> at sign is zip underscore Jim. And I'm on uh, the RSR forums. Uh, and honestly, you can look for me talking college basketball on uh, Testudo Times as well. So, Very cool. All right. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short this summer, I'd love to have you. Uh, DMs are always open. Hit me up with your idea. Uh, we'll talk about it beforehand and, and, and get it into something that's fairly narrow and we could talk about it in about 25 to 30 minutes. That's the ideal kind of a show length, even though we almost always go over. Just telling Jim before the show, we're probably going to go 25 minutes and we're at 45, but yeah, you know, <laughs> which is short for us. Yes, which is it's just short for us. You get us talking football, you know, there's going to be discussion and tangentiality. But I would really love to hear from you and and uh, always interested to talk football with new people uh, that, that I haven't met yet. I've had about five or six new people already on uh, this year, and I, I've just each and every one has been something new and something I've, I've really appreciated. Uh, Jim, thanks again for coming on and being a, a regular on this show. Thanks for the invitation. I, I love it. Uh, I'll, I'll come back whenever you can stand to have me. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.